Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikbat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvatisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. All right. Avinu, we thank you for your presence this morning. Uh, You're a good father to us and a good king. And we pray that your word would encourage your people, O God, um, that we would see your goodness and uh, that we would be transformed by your word. And uh, in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Once there were two sons. The younger was clever, shrewd. He liked the indoors, you know, reading, art. He was his mama's favorite. The older son liked hunting and used to hunt for deer and make it for his dad. For this reason, the older son was his father's favorite. Now, the father's eyes, the eyes were weakened. They were dimming in his old age. Why was this? Well, some rabbis say it was because he was accepting a bribe with the venison, with the deer meat. The Torah connects the perversion of justice with blindness or lack of sight. This favoritism of uh, the older son that the father had for the older son was connected to what his son gave him, right? He was kind of bribing him with this with this venison. He had an unhealthy love of, of this food. In fact, this father was the first person to say, I love about something other than a person. You know, I know now we say things like, oh, I love pizza, but this, this was a long time ago, okay? After all, the commandments on which the whole Torah hangs are, you shall love Adonai your God with all your heart, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there isn't a third one saying, and also thou shalt love a nice venison on the same level as the other two, right? We don't see that, okay? And uh, and so um, the, the rabbis, some of them ra- rabbis were saying that his love for his older son was connected to food. And so uh, the father called his older son to him, and he said, give me this, this venison that I love, and then I will bless you. And because of this, perhaps, his eyes were dim. And other rabbis say that his eyes were dim because of God's mercy, so that he couldn't see the bad things that his sons were doing. You see, the, old, the younger son dressed up like the older son, and uh, he, uh, he put on his outdoorsy smelling clothes, and he had his mom prepare the meat that the father liked, and uh, so he went in, and he, he took the blessing of his father by impersonating his older brother. I mean, talk about not seeing, right? Not perceiving. We would ask, how, how could the father not know? 
right? How could he not know? But his eyes, his sight, his perception, his vision were weakened, perhaps by mercy, perhaps by judgment. And this is the story of Isaac's weak eyes. And then there's his son. Wouldn't you know it? The same thing happened to him. He had the same problem. He worked and worked for his father-in-law for seven years so that he could marry the daughter. But the father-in-law had two daughters. And when he said, give me my wife, the son of Isaac got the older daughter instead of the one that he loved. But he didn't perceive that it was the older one until the morning. And so we asked the same question. How could he not know? <laughs> Except we can assume his perception was dimmed. His sight was, was weakened. He was blinded by, by something. Perhaps it was the all-consuming love he had for the younger sister. Perhaps it was the blindness of the deception that he pulled on his own father when he pretended to be his older brother and nabbed that blessing. The blind leading the blind. This is the story of Jacob's weak eyes. And this son, Jacob, he also had a son, actually 12. But uh, he never quite learned the problem with his blindness, I don't think. His, his favoritism, it kind of kept, kept happening. And so this, this one son that Jacob had, he paid special attention to him. And all his brothers were upset by this, naturally, and they threw him into a well and left him for dead. And then they sold him into slavery and, uh, until he went to Egypt. And he went through some more challenges, including three years in, a, in prison, in a dungeon, until eventually he became the prime minister of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. It was then that the brothers came because of a famine. They came back to their brother. Only their eyes, their eyes didn't recognize him. The son of Jacob, he knew. He knew who they were, but they didn't see him. And after that, they prove to this one brother that they've changed. They've learned from their jealousy. And one of the brothers is willing to give his life for another brother. And after that, the son reveals his identity to them. And you know what? They're speechless. This is the story of Joseph and his brother's weak eyes. There's a story I heard, I believe it's true, of a, of a homeless man who was begging one day as the congregation was heading into worship. And they all, not really seeing him, they just kind of walked by and they ignored his calls for a little change, a little help. Now we got to get in to the congregation. And so, you know, we might do the same thing. We might not see all the time. And you can imagine their dismay when the man came into the building and then walked down the aisle and then got in the position of the speaker and revealed himself as the leader of the community, right? They were, they were dismayed. 
This is the idea behind uh, the show Undercover Boss. Have you ever seen this? Yeah? I've only seen it a few times, but it's very emotional. Uh, the idea is uh, the CEO of a company disguises himself or herself and, and sets out to become a new employee at the lowest rung on the ladder, right? And the head of the company, they, they humble themselves to become a servant. And, and they see how hard it is, and they see firsthand the struggles that people have, um, the people that, that work for them. And uh, they typically meet uh, folks that have a really, uh, really hard time and work really hard, and, uh, but they have some sort of difficulty or challenge, like, uh, like a, a child with medical needs. And then at the end, the CEO reveals themselves, and they say, you know, I was the guy with all the makeup and the wig, and, you know, that was... That was me, and uh, I was pretending to be a new worker. And the employees are just like, you know, they're flabbergasted. They can't believe it. And then the CEO offers to step in and and help them out somehow, providing for the medical need or or making a way for that person to get the education they need to move up in the company. And, And everybody's crying. The CEO's crying. The employee's crying. I'm crying, watching it at home, you know, it's, it's, uh, my wife is nodding, she can confirm this, right? Yeah. Now, <clears throat> the first eyes the human story ever tells that were opened, first eyes that were opened, this was not necessarily a good thing. In fact, it was the result of being tricked by a mysterious snake, in which the woman saw a particular tree, a tree with the power to give wisdom, to know things, a thing of lust for her eyes. And so the woman took of its fruit and she ate, and she gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew things now. For example, they knew that they were naked. But why is this so tragic? Surely the God who put them in the garden wanted them to learn, to know things, to see, to perceive. Didn't he want their eyes to be opened? So what's wrong with taking the fruit to get the wisdom? Scripture seems to indicate that there are two ways to have our eyes opened. One is to reject the kingship and fatherhood of God to grasp at lust and power, greed, anger, pride. But what if they had not done that? How would they have learned? Perhaps God would have taught them. There they were, with God, walking with them in the garden. He he who declared what was good in creation and what was not good. The perfect teacher, he could have showed them what wisdom is, what knowledge is, what it means to see, to perceive, to know. Instead, they ate the fruit, and their eyes were opened to see their own shame, their own guilt, anxiety, and fear. But they could have sought true wisdom, true perception and sight from the one who sees, 
as Shlomo reminds us, get wisdom, get knowledge. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Wisdom and knowledge are good, but what is the source? Being taught by God, learning from his Torah, learning from him, from his commandments. David says, this is a light to our eyes. This week's New Covenant portion departs from the book of John for a moment to describe a unique story in the book of Luke. Yeshua has already died on the tree for our sins, and he has been raised from the dead to bring us new life. And now he's in a glorified state where many do not perceive him. They don't recognize him. And this is one of my favorite stories in the Gospels, and this is from Luke 24, which we heard a little bit of earlier. Let's try to imagine this. Now behold, two of them on that very day were traveling to a village named Emmaus, a distance of about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were speaking with one another about all the things that had been happening. While they were talking and discussing, Yeshua himself, somebody say Yeshua himself, (laughs) I love it, approached and began traveling with them. So, you know, now it's three of them walking along, right? But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They didn't know him. Their eyes were closed. So then he said to them, what are the things you're discussing with one another as you're walking along? You know, all innocent-like. And they stood still, looking gloomy. (sighs) Then one named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? I, I, spoiler alert, I think he does know, but Yeshua said to them, what kinds of things? <laughs> and they said to him, the things about Yeshua from Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful indeed, and word before God and all people. How the ruling Kohanim, the priests and our leaders, handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they executed him. We were hoping he was the one about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us. Early in the morning, they were at the tomb. When they didn't find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said, he is alive. Some of those with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they did not see him. Yeshua said to them, O foolish ones, so slow of heart to put your trust in all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary for Messiah to suffer these things, to enter into his glory. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. Wouldn't that have been great to hear that? (laughs) They approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going on farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is already gone. So we went in to stay with them. Walking along the road, it's a couple. Some scholars think that this Cleopas is the same as Clopas in the book of John, who had a wife named Mary. So along the road, this might be a married couple wandering along, not recognizing Yeshua. But that's not all they don't see. 
They don't see the redemption in his death. They're kvetching to the Messiah himself. He was supposed to redeem Israel. He was supposed to liberate us like a second exodus from our enemies, the Romans. But instead, he died at their hands. What are we going to do? They don't see the one they're longing for is right in front of them. Like a second Joseph, the unrecognized redeemer. This week, uh, a friend of mine went unseen. There was a, a crisis, and he was there. There was an emergency, and my brother got in the trenches and did what had to be done. And I missed it. I was focused on other things. And then my brother even prayed for me. He blessed me, and I didn't recognize the sacrifice. And my friend was, was very hurt by this, and understandably so. And this week, I had the opportunity to repent to my brother, to see him. And he extended forgiveness back. So the question is, are we seeing the people in our lives? Are we recognizing them? That's what most of us long for. That's what we want. We want to be seen. We want to be known. We want to be understood. Are our eyes opened? Are they open to worldly gain or true wisdom? Do we see those around us that are hurting? Because whatever we do for those that are hurting, we do for Messiah Yeshua himself. That is how we recognize the Messiah. In what ways have our eyes grown weak and dim? How have we been blind? The Father is waiting to open our eyes. I didn't finish the story of the couple on the road to Emmaus. Perhaps a married couple. They walked with Yeshua without recognizing him, but then this happened. And it happened that when he was reclining at the table with them, he took the matzah, offered a brucha, a blessing, and breaking it, gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from them. Another couple ate, and their eyes were opened. But this time, it's a reversal of Adam and Eve. This time, they recognize the promised one of the scriptures. This time, they see the wisdom of God through, him, through whom all things were created. So may God also open up our eyes in the eyes of all Israel, to recognize the Messiah. Let's pray. Avinu, open our eyes to see those around us, to see your Mashiach. Open the eyes of, our, of your people Israel to see you, to see the the brother <laughs> that they rejected, like Joseph, who is revealing himself to them. 
and help us to, to truly see and to grasp a true wisdom, to not take from the fruit, but to learn from you, to learn from your Torah, because you, O Lord, are the best and most patient teacher, and you will teach us to perceive and to see, to see others and to see you, to know them and to know you. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.